Today's podcast is brought to you by drinkers like you. To help support the show, visit patreon.com slash have a drink show. It's time for scotch. So where is where is this scotch from? Islands? Zanila? Where the heck is Speyside? Well, it turns out if you like scotch, you've most likely had a Speyside scotch before, uh, even if you didn't know it. So join us this week as we kick off our scotch series for the year. Uh... I hope we're going to be okay after this because we are definitely going to have a drink. Welcome to Have a Drink, the show where you learn along with us about what you drink. I'm Brittany Lee Walker. I'm Justin Frazier. I'm Christopher Walker. And I'm Casey Price. <laughs> Darn it. <laughs> we tried to catch Casey off guard when he's like, well, I'm going to go get my glass. And Bob's like, do it. Start the show quick. See if we can catch him. <laughs> uh, I was going to mess up because I was like, we, we got Walker's shortbread cookies because Scotland and, you know, the whole theming. And also, I thought if that, they'd be delicious with scotch. So, uh, and they are. Um, <laughs> but I was like alert, trying yes. to. <laughs> they are. Yeah, spoiler alert. They're the delicious. Uh, I was like trying to finish the one. I was like, oh my God, I'm not going to make it. I'm not going to make it. <laughs> yeah, I was there. like, no, it's time. Brittany, go. He's almost back, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, it the doesn't worst help part about we, we were just guessing because we don't have Casey's video. <laughs> the worst part about this one is. Uh... I ran and got my glass, but I have nothing other than whiskey to drink. So, I'm like, no water at this point. Oh, neither do I. Mm. Yeah. Uh, got a got a bottle of scotch in front of me, and my goal for the night is that bottle is empty. God. I, I'm going to hydrate. Last week was rough. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so uh, this is back-to-back. Um after this, we'll be back on our uh, normal every other week schedule, but we're we're catching up. I was buzzed from eight a.m. until two a.m. Hurt you last little. Friday. Wow! So that's why I was like, hmm. I I just apologize for the quality I of content I brought last week. <laughs> I was say, I, nobody can tell, especially Brittany, when she went to sit down and edit. No, nothing was amiss. Mm-hmm. She wasn't suddenly mm-hmm. dialing someone back. I don't know <laughs> what you're talking about. Yeah. One volume level in particular wasn't decibels <gasps> higher than uh. the rest of the entire <laughs> file. It's fine. Looks like it, it went from being <laughs> looking at the 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 episode in the program went from looking like oh a nice you know nice little lines that were pretty close together to a seismic chart during an earthquake. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> there's a uh, that's just me every week. So there's an equalizer setting of some sort out there that we need to look into, like a post processing mm-hmm. that brings soft noises loud and loud noises soft. Yeah, uh, and honestly, I think it, it'd be easier if I had it doing multiple channel recording. Oh yeah, or multiple channels yeah. through from the mixer, but I don't have it like filtering out that way. So, because I was like, we'll see if I can do this. it from the standard file if it'll do it, because that'll be like the most the worst case scenario. Yeah. Well, how's everybody been? I mean, you had about a week. I'm sure. I'm sure, you've had many adventures. In the meantime, I think we uh, all well getting snowed in more I or say, less. I don't think Iced Casey. In? Casey didn't get the ice. No. no, he didn't really. So it was to the point for us that when we tried, tried to go outside 
uh, yesterday late morning, the doors were iced shut. <laughs> to the building. To the building. Like one door would, you couldn't get it like uh, not quite a quarter of the way open. You couldn't, Honest- like you had to like slide through. Honestly, we didn't get it that bad down here. It was, uh, although it was funny when I tried to open my car, I was like, oh, it's frozen shut. And I kept pulling on the handle a few times and I went, you know, it'd help if I unlock the car. <laughs> That'll do it. Yeah. <laughs> still is a little frozen at that point, but still it's like, man, usually I hear like a creaking or, <laughs> I, oh, oh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The, the ice, um, well. Not even quite ice for us. I think, uh, Bob, you got more ice than we did. We just got sleet. We got three inches of sleet. (sighs) Yeah, that was insane. Just all day. Like, just. (laughs) It sounded like somebody was outside pelting sand at our windows for a day straight. (laughs) Yeah. So you just have neighbors that don't like you. (laughs) That really was what was happening. (laughs) Yeah. So, you know. Catastrophic weather, I guess, could have been worse all around. Yeah. Uh, where Casey just had like a winter rain. <laughs> well, and it's because they've already gotten garbage. <laughs> like we hadn't yeah. gotten anything yet. So it was like, well, all right. <laughs> it's only fair. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, what has anybody else been up to that you feel like sharing within the last week that isn't weather related? <laughs> Yeah, I was going to say, I'm uh, I'm tapped out outside of, uh, I did manage to, uh, I was down at uh, Void last night, and they, they, they're doing hot sockies now, and that toasted coconut, mm. make that hot, it tastes remarkably like a hot buttered rum. Nice. And so, like, at this time of year, I was like, yeah, 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 give me that. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's you know you always think about the the traditional sakis being served hot, but I had not even thought about full, the flavored sakis. I hadn't thought about it either until uh, uh, one of the bartenders was like, "No, you have to. It's <laughs> so good." And I went, "Really?" Because I would assume all I would want would be like one of the clear ones. They're like, no, 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 give it a shot. I was like, "All right, I'm always down to experiment." <laughs> oh yeah, I'm just afraid some of the ones they've made will be the like curdle. With the heating up process, but that, I mean, but it could just be me, me being weird. Yeah, there's like no proteins in it. I mean, yeah, nothing of note. It's not that it's, there's not like there's actual dairy in there. It yeah. tastes creamy. It mm. feels creamy, but That's it's not. True. It's it's like nut juice. Mm-hmm. Uh, on that note, let's uh, <laughs> on that note move very is... quickly away from that. Like almonds. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Casey, any news from the brewery? <laughs> uh we've got this week um i was able to source some local chocolates and uh we're doing some chocolate and beer pairings for the uh N- valentine's day holiday so uh, nice. those should be fun um i think some of my favorite ones are going to be a goat milk chocolate so goat's milk yeah uh so that'll be fun i'm picturing like a funky milk chocolate it is. It, so we tasted today to see what how things paired, and that goat milk chocolate goes with a strawberry um, wheat ale. And so I was going to say, you need something kind of tart. I feel yeah, um, it, and it, the strawberry goat cheese that it's a classic combo. So any uh, kind of goes, berry and goat cheese, yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. So that's going to be a a good one, I think. That combo sounds fun. Uh, note to the wise, do not leave your goat cheese in a non-airtight container in the refrigerator for a couple weeks. <laughs> don't yeah. leave your goat cheese for a couple weeks. I don't know if airtight matters. Uh, it, it, uh, it did not smell good. I was going to say, did it did it grow a life of its own, take over the fridge, found its own, own empire away. somewhere amongst the crisper we, drawer? We literally tore the fridge apart to find what was stinking so bad and scrubbed. Like When we found it, then scrubbed out the entire fridge because i was like no we're exercising these demons <laughs> you just needed uh you just needed a uh uh a thing of gatorade and a, a young and, and a young priest and an old priest that's <laughs> next time sorry that's a that's a dumb joke that casey gets no one else here i think <laughs> was even even in that 
in that area when that 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 dumb story <laughs> happened. And I don't really want to explain it. So let's. Uh... All right. Well, <laughs> this is uh, where we used to have a news segment, but it has its own show now. If you want to bother to go check that out, where uh, this week we we're talking about a residency of breweries doing some unique things in Chicago. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, uh, also we've got some uh, uh, a craft whiskey company uh, going to heaven, and by that I mean Heaven Hill. <laughs> and uh, the one, the crazy one, Jägermeister and The Rock, because sure, oh. with with tequila. <laughs> Jägermeister, yeah, they're they invested in the investing rocks in tequila. the Rock's tequila. Not, not that they, not that the Rock is making another tequila this time with Jägermeister. Although they might. Okay, I mean, who knows and, anymore? And the uh, the man who made it to every brewery, brew pub, and tap room in the state of Colorado. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah, in that's that man's a hero. And that's what you hear, oh, in 18 months, I could do that. I'm like, I couldn't do that. Mm-mm. <laughs> not, not Colorado. That's, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that is the craft beer capital. One of them. Uh, or birthplace, we could call it. Well, it was Craft Beer City USA in Denver there, but uh, I think time. Asheville took that. Asheville took it, and then yeah. Cincinnati took it from Asheville, and I think Chicago took it from us, and yeah, I think right. Asheville's starting to try and take it back. There. <laughs> Bringing it back. Uh, all right. I think maybe we have a topic. Mm, I love scotch. I love scotch. Scotch is got scotch. Here it goes down. Down into my belly. Does anyone else always try to drink your scotch to that as it's? Yes. Okay. You have to. Uh, I still wish I, I thought I had the I know I have it but I don't have it on the soundboard the Nick Offerman one or I guess Ron Swanson one really the that order clear liquors uh, are for Lagavulin women. neat <laughs> clear alcohols are for rich women on diets yeah yeah no that's but, uh, well, you know what we'll have to use that one when we get to the Isla do we get yeah. to the Isla mm-hmm. so this made me realize and I was like hey I, I need I need a space side and then start looking through the scotches I have. Realized I have a space side. Well, at first I'm looking in there and like, I distinctly have majority one type of scotch. Mm-hmm. It's like, Oh, you want, you want to get pigeonholed and figure out your taste? It's like, well, it's Isla. <laughs> it, I honestly, I've got a decent arrangement of scotches when I was looking through there. I was like, Oh, I've got like a, uh, the last dregs of a compass box that's gonna die soon, and uh, uh, uh but was, there's also some Lagavulin in there, and but I had to go pick up a space side for today because I was out. Uh, so let's uh, I have a little little primer for the series. You know, as we're starting our 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 year of the Scotch, uh. We've done a lot of episodes on whiskey, with or without a knee, uh, on the show for for either styles, distilleries. You can go back, find any of them. However, real quick, just going to give you a quick rundown of what scotch is. So if you're listening for the first time and want to know, here you go. First of all, scotch is whiskey that was made in Scotland. There you go. Done. Mission accomplished. Send the troops home. It's still whiskey. It's still made from barley and grains and water. It's still spirit. I'm not trying to say scotch is simple. It is very complex. But I just wanted to lower down that barrier entry where you hear scotch and you go, I don't even know what I'm drinking. It's this. It's it's whiskey. It's good whiskey. Uh, so, you know, enjoy. Uh, you aren't going to confuse scotch for any other type of whiskey. Uh, Ooh. No. Well, w- Japanese. Well, whiskey. Japanese whiskey, but that's because. because they are they are actively trying to make scotch <laughs> in Japan, and but they they've started to get into their own thing where I I'll get a lot of different fruit flavors from them than I would from some yeah. scotches, 
Like they they started being very close, and they're they're starting to kind of separate out now. Uh, so, uh, uh, just wanted to say though, if if you do like whiskey, there is probably a whisk, uh, probably a scotch you are going to like. If you don't like any other any sort of whiskey, this is not going to be your drink, and that's okay. We scotch drinkers are going to be over here, <laughs> silently judging you while drinking scotch. I don't think it's going to be very silent. <laughs> oh, we'll be too busy drinking scotch. Our mouths will be filled with scotch. You'll you'll be able to smell what we're drinking from across the room. <laughs> be able to smell what we're drinking two rooms over. Wondering where the fire is. <laughs> we didn't start the fire. <laughs> we just opened up the log of Ulan. Uh, anyway, uh... Also, it turns out that Scotland didn't think one distinct type of whiskey was enough. So there are a number of regions that have different variations on scotch. Uh, That's what we're going to go through this year. And today, it's Speyside, which is going to be – the the region's a little confusing, at least literally how they define it. So probably a good place to start. Saying that, the Speyside Scotch region is not precisely defined, uh, but embraces uh, – sorry, this is a quote here from uh, uh, Michael Jackson, uh, the author, not the musician. Uh, Scotch region is, quote, not precisely defined. It embraces between half and two-thirds of Scotland's distilleries, including the most widely recognized names. Uh, basically, it's safe to assume uh, – it's a space side if it's near the River Spey or a nearby tributary of one of the many rivers in that area. Uh, the River Spey uh, is a river in northeast Scotland. It's the eighth longest river in the United Kingdom as well as the second longest and fastest flowing river in Scotland. Uh, space side distillers produce more whiskey than any other region. Uh, the region is uh, the region is a natural uh, is a natural for whiskey distilleries because of three benefits: it's close to barley farms, it's close to the River Spey, and it's close to the port of Garmouth. You can get your stuff out there. Uh, Speyside is a protected region for Scotch whiskey distilling uh, under the UK government legislation, according to Visit Scotland. Uh, this region includes the area between the Highlands to the west. Uh, Aberdeenshire in the east and extending north to the oh, Cairngorms National Park. Cairngorms. Cairngorms. I was closer than I was expecting to get. Uh, also, I do love uh, – as I was doing research for this and I was reading the, the Michael Jackson book on scotch uh, – or well, yeah, it's scotch uh, – where he mentions that, yeah, back when – it was Pangea, that nice limestone shelf that's very important to the water for, for them. Same one we got over here, because they were just butted up right next to right next to America. It's good to know. All the whiskey uh, uh, turns out from the same mountain range. Yeah. All the best whiskey comes from there. Or at least the prehistoric sea. Yeah. Uh, the Speyside region uh, was the source of the first Scotch whiskey boom. In 1822, King George the Fourth made a highly publicized trip to Edinburgh. 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 Uh, now you sound like you're from Canberra. Canberra. Capybara. <laughs> in uh, in in the the southern areas, Australia. Uh, uh, while there, he discovered uh, the illicit whiskey being produced uh, in the district of Glen Levitt in Speyside. Spoiler alert: This is not necessarily the same one that we're gonna, we'll be talking about later, but might be pretty close. Uh, it's not entirely clear whose whiskey the king tasted. Uh, the distillery today that bears the name Glen Levitt hadn't been founded yet, and at the time, there were no licensed distilleries uh, distilleries in the area. The king instructed his royal chamberlain, Lord. Conyum. We're just going to move on past that uh, hmm. to secure a supply. Unfortunately, 
like most of the Highland whiskeys, it was unavailable to those outside of the Highlands. Uh, Lord Cunningham, I think. Is Cunningham. Cunning- Richie Cunningham. So you got to tell you, so you kind of know how like Scots English kind of just butchers a language. It's like seeing it spelled out is just, think of it phonetic, you know, how, how you would say it, how they, how it, they chew the language up that it looks the same in letters. <laughs> can I, I can I do it. To, to be said, I want the, there's a Scots English version of, uh, Harry Potter. And I want, oh. and you can find it on YouTube of someone, someone found it at a thrift store and they have their like granddad reading it. <laughs> and it's the greatest because you can't understand the damn word he's saying. All right. Okay. So the King's passion for Scotch whiskey from the Highlands and from the Speyside district of Glenlivet in particular created a national awareness of the superior quality of Highland whiskeys. The association of Scotch whiskey with the British monarchy would continue throughout the 19th century. In 1835, <coughs> pardon, uh, in 1835, William IV uh, granted the first royal warrant to a whiskey producer, Royal Barakla. He, I just I keep reading Bakula. I know it's <laughs> not there, but I'm just picturing Scott Bakula making whiskey. Or at the very least, leaping into the body of someone who's making whiskey. <laughs> if only. And it's the one leap where he went, I'm not going home. <laughs> no, he's like, no, we've we've reached it. This is this is the end. I don't care what Ziggy says. Um, <laughs> she granted royal uh royal warrants to both Royal Lochner. Oh. Uh sorry, I think you you skipped a sentence. Oh, uh, royal Bre- he declared it yeah. his favorite whiskey. Queen Victoria was also a strong proponent of Scotch whiskey. She granted royal warrants to both Royal Loch Nagar, Nagar, N A G A R. That one I don't know how with a Scotch. Loch Nagar. Nagar. I don't know. Nay. Um, I'm just gonna stop trying on that. I need one. to find that Scottish dude. Too. Yeah, yeah, you're, you're, you'll get into trouble at a certain point. <laughs> yeah, just, just stop. Royal Brockla, both uh, Highland whiskeys, hence the designation Royal in their names. And gave a standing order. Oh, and by the way, I love Jim's, this story. Jim's probably screaming. Oh, oh just easily. bloody murder at us. And a standing order that all royal coaches should carry a bottle of whiskey under the coachman's seat in case of an emergency. Very important. That's Queen Victoria, That's mind awesome. you. <laughs> Prem and proper Queen Victoria. Oh, dear. We've had an emergency. Uh, we just had to stop for a second. There's a. Oh, no. We must get drunk. God save the queen. Isn't that what brings down the commissioner in uh, Dark Knight? Because it's like, he's like, oh, you know what? I, he's like, I learned how to handle situations like this when they're being, when they have a threat and he pulls a bottle of scotch out of his desk and then he's. Okay. That, sorry, I was thinking of Gordon, not that commissioner. Uh, not, not the. Yeah. Yeah. How he becomes commissioner. Right. All right. Uh, so, taste. Uh, Sorry, this, you can replace I with Bob, but... <laughs> Bob found that uh, no one can quite agree what a space side should exactly taste like. Uh, they tend to vary from distillery to distillery. However, to give you a sense of how different some of these are, let's look at a few examples. Uh, first one is from scotchwhiskey.org. Yes, uh, so space side whiskeys are known for being... Frugal with peat and full of fruit. Apple, pear, honey, vanilla, and spice all have a part in expressions from this region, which are commonly matured in sherry casks. And so <laughs> the first definition, I feel like we see more from Glenfiddich. Mm-hmm. Or at the, least that's how they advertise theirs more. We were joking about uh, uh, apple juice as a mixer, I think, in the news episode. Oh, yeah. And... You know what? I, I get Apple. I, I can see how they get to... to I, okay. Yeah. It's like apple juice. Yeah. I wouldn't mix... It's adult any, apple juice. I wouldn't mix anything. I think it's the... 
I wouldn't 21, mix anything with it. The 20, just, is the 21 year Glymphitic, which they're like, oh, you'll get warm cinnamon notes and like spiced apple. And I didn't get any of that from it when I had it before, but I definitely wouldn't be mixing apple juice with it. No, no, no. I'm not saying to mix it with it. I just meant yeah. that I, I, it has a apple component that is, yeah. All right. So anyway. uh, from Whiskey Advocate, for Speyside, the standard notes include honey, sherry, and fruit with a rich and full elegance. The region is often held up as the pinnacle of Scotch whiskey. That is specifically for Glenlivet, which Whiskey Advocate is extolling as the prime example. And I think what most of us are drinking. Probably yeah. most of us are drinking this one. But, yeah. See, on that one, they're like, oh, yeah, you have hints of sherry in this, where the other one's like, I mean, they're aged in sherry casks. How are you going to get, I don't know. <laughs> going to get like, something. Yeah. Uh, in the search for prime examples of the classic space genre, the singleton of Glenn Duel, Duelin, uh, which debuted in the U.S. in 2007, hits the spot. What secrets enable Glenn Duelin to capture this signature style? Glendulin, let's just say it as much as we can. Glendulin <laughs> features long fermentations, and it is gently distilled to maximize the sweet, fresh fruit notes, explains Craig A. Wilson, master blender for Diageo, the distillery's owner. Notes of brown sugar, toasted cereal, and nuttiness may also be apparent, but these whiskeys are distinguished by their lightness and elegance. Glendulin distills its spirits at a lower temperature than most distilleries and runs the spirit stills twice as long as the wash stills to promote longer distillation. I don't know how that works because alcohol evaporates at a certain temperature. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's not like you can change physics. I feel like that's just more of a, tra of a tradition thing and the excuse they have is, oh yeah, this is what, what does it. Yeah. Does it? Does it really? They have a nice story to put out there to be like, oh, this is this, is, you know. <laughs> mm -hmm. It's was well, the the the. I have to imagine it comes from like that same mentality of like you know the the. Oh, we've got a certain ding in our yeah right in our in our uh, you know column still or pot still. We have to make still. sure when we get a replacement, we we bang it in the exact same ways. Like they there's tradition built into this. They didn't quite know what was going on. Essentially, they were doing magic as far as they were concerned. Yeah. Yeah. And so now it's, you know, you got to keep doing it. It's like, hey, I drank this beer when the Bengals won <laughs> their division championship, so I've got to drink this beer next week when they play in the Super Bowl. Because or or you don't. And curse them. The as long owl. as Bob's not watching, they'll do well. No, that's only uh, no. They tend to win when I watch because I because I, I have a long standing uh, uh, antipathy towards towards the Bengals, but I wish them well this year. Like <laughs> it's it's your turn. It's fine. This this I, I will continue to lose in the NFL for the rest of my natural days. I was raised to root for the loser. So this little <laughs> aside, obviously here to talk about the the gorilla in the room, um, <laughs> Harambe. Oh, him too soon. Will it ever stop being too soon? No. I just said to say to the rest of the country right now, hearing Who Day, welcome oh. to every Monday after a oh. Bengals game when you uh, live in Cincinnati. I, I, this this is why I actually I could I could not care about the Bengals, but the number of their games I had to listen to those listen to, to Who Day and Welcome to the Jungle. I Yeah. Ugh. It's basically every Monday when you live around here. You, mm -hmm. It's everywhere. Yeah, there's you. You get you have to put up with it for two weeks. We have to deal with it every season. Mm -hmm. Now that being said, yay for them. That's awesome. Uh, I I'm I'm not about. I don't. American football frustrates me to no end. Um, they keep stopping the game all the time, and, and it bothers me. <laughs> but he's like they're uh, dragging this out, and it's like yeah. Yeah, they I are. Like, Commercial breaks. Yeah, this is dumb. Uh, exactly. But um, I was like, well, I, and I don't, so I don't know much about sports, but I do know enough to say it's not the Patriots, guys. You know, hooray. <laughs> Everyone should be happy about that. I didn't make it to the Super Bowl. I'm taking my ball and going home. <laughs> 
All right. As far as underdogs go, I mean, they don't get much more underdog than the Bengals, other than like, the no. Browns. No. <laughs> Again. And that'll be yeah. trained to ra- trained to 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 root for the loser. <laughs> the last time I went to a game, maybe the last time Bob went to a, an NFL game was Jets Bengals. Jets Bengals. Yeah. Yeah. And, and they lost. Uh, the Bengals or the Jets? Because I know Bengals you Bengals lost. Yeah. Yeah. All right, so uh, Jets lost shortly thereafter. Oh yeah, yeah. back on they, topic. They're also a losing team. We're talking about Glendulin <laughs> and how they uh, do the but, twice as long wash stills to promote longer distillation. Back so, to Scotch. Yes. Uh, so this slow <laughs> process, slow process creates uh, greater copper contact, resulting in a smoother distillate, which Casey takes uh, umbrage with. <laughs> Uh, where does the taste come from? Well, the barrels have something to do with it. Select cask maturation is the final ingredient. Just talk to, uh, well, any Scotch distillery. (laughs) It's primarily matured in American oak bourbon cask, which naturally impart layers of sweet, nutty flavors, and then blended with small portions of spirit rested in European oak casks to lend balance and fruity dimension. Uh, says Wilson. However, uh, Wilson! Wilson! However, uh, he notes the space side identity always prevails. The abundance of natural resources, namely barley and soft water, are key to space side's ongoing endurance. But there is also a real feeling uh, that you are in the epicenter of the Scotch whiskey industry and that the entire community is built around making whiskey. You get a sense of that while passing through the area from the evocative aromas which fill the air. Mm, yes, that aroma of distillation happening. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, it is quite nice. Uh, <laughs> when like, the winds, uh... You drive by MGP and it's just... That or, you know, on my way to work and if New Riff is, is distilling. Mm. Oh, yeah. Um, actually, it's usually on our way home because Emmett smells it too. <laughs> <laughs> and he just goes, yum. I'll just tell him, I was like, breathe that in, boy. <laughs> Make you a man. <laughs> the beautiful distilleries on every corner, right down the plant <laughs> Right down to the plant pots made from old casks, which line the high streets of every village. Are we talking about Scotland not- or Kentucky? I was going to say, does that not just sound wonderful? <laughs> <laughs> I can tell you, it's It's glorious. So, prime examples of uh, of these, uh, which are basically micro-episodes or primers for episodes yet to come. I <laughs> I had the, just the thought of like, oh, it's the, the ghost of Christmas yet to come, but for episodes. Yeah. Well, uh, on to the one that we're all probably uh, partaking. Glenn Livett. <laughs> so, uh, in 1823... Alexander Gordon pushed the Excise Act of 1823 through Parliament that allowed legal distillers throughout Scotland to apply for and obtain licenses to legally distill spirits. In 1824, a businessman named George Smith applied for one of the first licenses in the Speyside region of Scotland and opened the doors to the Glenlivet Distillery. Glenlivet translated from Gaelic means Valley of the Smooth Flowing One. That's kind of great. Uh, and is most likely referencing the nearby river Libet. I mean, to me, the smooth flowing one sounds like when you've had, well, the valley of the smooth flowing one. It's when you had Chipotle. <laughs> <laughs> uh. That's, uh, <laughs> I mean, too true. That's, uh, I'm going to say that's gold star for me. <laughs> mm. Uh, oh, Cincy Chili. <laughs> by 1871, Smith operated his distillery freely, angering many of the longtime illegal producers who did not have a license, resulting in multiple threats on his life. <laughs> because, of course, <laughs> armed with determination and a pair of pistols gifted to him by the Laird of uh, Ar- Arbalor? Don't know. Arbalor. Uh, that word. Smith continued operating the distillery until he passed in 1871 and passed the distillery on to his son, John Gordon Smith. In 1876, John requested and eventually obtained 
a trademark on the Glenlivet name for nearly two centuries now. I like to imagine uh, his son found his dad had passed uh, with two pistols in hand (laughs) in front of the pot still. Yeah. (laughs) Defending it to his dying breath. Over my dead body, literally. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, But yeah, so... um, for nearly two centuries now, the Glenlivet Distillery has been producing the single malt whiskey that started it all. Uh, yeah, I think Glenlivet was the first single malt I might have had, I mean, uh, which it? would make sense. But that was like me graduating from uh, from drinking Johnny Walker to that. And I went, oh, <laughs> oh, I can't go back to a blend. <laughs> and then you did. And then you had Compass Box and said, okay, there's something to this. I was like, yeah, I guess I can go back. <laughs> It yeah, there's a there's a range there. Uh so the Speyside style of Scotch can be traced in large part to one distillery, Glenlivet. Founded by George Smith uh in eighteen twenty four in Drummond, uh the distillery rose to prominence first on the basis of its single malt and later as the main malt in the old vatted Glenlivet blend. So Glenlivet was used not only by Smith, but by many distillers in the area, uh known now known as Speyside. And sometimes further afield. Uh, to describe their whiskey's origin and by extension, thanks to the popularity of Smith's Glenlivet quality, uh, Smith's son won the trademark to the Glenlivet in 1884, but rival distillers were allowed to add Glenlivet after their name on the label. So, Glen Moray Glenlivet, which is like great to, to say. Uh, mm-hmm. a, a practice that persisted for well over a century. The name Glenlivet became recognizable shorthand for a certain style of single malt. So that's what I was joking about earlier when it was like, oh, yeah. It's like, everyone apparently was just going, yeah, no, it's a, it's a Glenlivet. It's t- Stop it. It's not what you called this. <laughs> You're saying things now. Um, uh, also, uh, there was a, a quick thing. I think I forgot to mention earlier uh, when we were talking about like the region this is in. Mm-hmm. Uh, kind of describing where it's at. Most of the noted uh, uh, scotches that are in this region, a lot of them, will, they'll call them Highland, or at least on the label, they'll be Highland. Mm-hmm. Speyside fits practically inside the Highland region. Sure. Yeah. Uh, also, so that was, uh, I believe, Jim, who because we had yeah. a separate little chat for those of us writing the Highland episodes, and he would. Uh, Jim being our scotch expert that uh, we're consulting with on this one. Uh, how was it he put it? Um, I'd find out. I think uh, it's basically like the all bourbon is whiskey, uh, not all whiskey is bourbon. He's all space. Yeah. All space sides are highlands, not all highlands are space sides. Correct. Ah. That's uh, a good way to remember it. Yeah. Anyway, sorry. Continue. Oh, uh, Glenlivet's single malt, as we know it, is estery, fruity, and floral. Flavors that are consistently assigned to the Speyside style by both whiskey makers and drinkers today. Was Glenlivet Distillery the first to make whiskey that tasted like this? Not really sure. But its marketing success, popularity, and many imitators mean that it has come to be synonymous with Speyside's regional character. So uh, the tasting notes on Glenlivet 12, this is from liquor.com. The color is the medium light honey gold, which I feel like just is, that's, welcome to scotch. Um, (laughs) Yo, dog, I heard you like scotch. (laughs) Light honey gold, that's that's what I refer to this as. Coming to the stage. (laughs) Light light Uh, honey gold. (laughs) The nose is uh, citrus fruit, honeysuckle, and vanilla. Uh, illustrative of what a classic Speyside single malt should smell like, uh, but do not expect peat, as that is not the northeastern region of Scotland is known for. So that's something else to consider. We will get very much into peat when we start getting into the other areas. <laughs> peat will not be a fan of us. Mm. <laughs> we will be very deep inside peat. <laughs> Can we check we'll that peat. prostate? <laughs> we'll have peat and peat. <laughs> Wow. Um, yeah. So with Lagavulin, uh, the strongest peat in the world. <laughs> wow. Just okay. Sorry, I'm just getting sound clips in my head now. Oh, things to do. We got to do that for the <laughs> <laughs> Lila um, episode. We've got to have peat and peat clips. Come on. 
All right. Uh, this is the palette for Glenlivet as candied nuts, sweet vanilla shortbread cookies. Hey, uh, <laughs> that's what we're eating with them, uh, and a hint of toffee. <laughs> um, gotta have our namesake. About right. Gotta have some walkers. Uh, and the finish is sweetness that lingers on your tongue, but is gener- or gently overtaken by lemon zest and the crunchy bitterness of barrel tannin with just a hum of vanilla beneath it. A hum? A hum, hum of vanilla. That, I was going to say, no. One, a hum of vanilla is a weird term. But two, there's some vanilla here. So, <laughs> I, I, yeah. And I also get the hum of vanilla now that you... Because it's almost like um, a. But the crunchy, like we're not we're not getting hung okay. up on that. No, no, no. I'm not doing on. I'm not the crunchy's not there. But the, the <laughs> whenever I'm saying the, it's almost like there's a, I want to call a vibration, but like, it's waves of of actual feel sensation over my tongue. Mm. See, I'm I'm picking could be up my high good, blood pressure, but could <laughs> could be. But I'm picking up good vibrations. I'm. I definitely get like, and okay, it's what's not helping or is helping, depending on how you look at it, is that we're having the shortbread cookies with this. And so it just kind of amplifies those flavors. I was going to say, you definitely get a vanilla vibe and the shortbread. Yeah, but also yeah. like the phrase barrel tannin, I'm like, yeah, that's that's actually probably kind of, mm-hmm. there's a. Oh, there's some big tannin in this. Mm-hmm. It's not, it's not bad at all, but the, I mean, the no. tannin with the vanilla is yeah. very nice. So you know yes. how we were doing the barrel-aged, um, barrel-aged, uh, old-fashioned. Mm-hmm. So using old granddad, which apparently has become a, a sleeper hit, uh, <laughs> not with us, but just across the the whiskey world. Old yeah. granddad, one fourteen's getting some praise up there with the like Blanton's level stuff, <laughs> um, or at least some traffic. So. We did that, and I put it in a barrel and put – I had my bitters in there. Um, it's pretty much straight liquor, bitters, and sugar. Um, there's really nothing else that's in there other than you know the orange peel, So, it, and that was in and out sort of thing. It really picked up a lot of tannins over about a month, which shocked me. Because here's this thing that's been barrel-aged for a long time, and yet there's tannins that it's leaching from the wood. And it was new wood, but still, like, does does that go away after a while? Like, I was kind of interested to see how the wood and finished spirit behaved with each other. Hmm. Yeah. Well, uh, I guess it's time to move on to uh, the, the scotch we can't afford. at me yes it is oh okay so now we're going to the mckellen Uh, it was one of the first distillers in scotland to be legally licensed since then we uh it has built a reputation as one of the world's leading single malt whiskeys the creation of the mckellen draws on the vital contributing influences of spain north america and scotland and of their respective natural raw materials combined with traditional methods and craftsmanship. The McCollin Distillery was founded by Alexander Reed, a barley farmer and school teacher. The original <laughs> name of the area was Mag Helen. I'm guessing is how that's that's pronounced. Mag Helen. Um, taken from the Gaelic word mag, meaning fertile ground, and Ellen from the monk Saint Saint. Philan, who held a close association with the church that stood in the grounds of the McKellen estate until 1400. I like Farmers, the idea that it, it's like the, the, the Gaelic word mag, meaning fertile, and some lady named Ellen that we knew. Yeah, fertile Ellen. Got a lot of kids, Ellen. Farmers have been making whiskey on this their space-side farms in the area for centuries, uh, using their surplus, surplus barley during the quieter winter months. McKellen um, is the only Scotch distillery that has its own master of wood. <clears throat> yes, go ahead, Bob. Giggle for a second. <clears throat> but behind that title is easily one of the most important people behind McKellen's success. Master of Wood, Stuart McKellen. 
McPherson painstakingly sources McKellen's 200,000-odd oak barrels from oak trees in the United States and mostly Spain. Um, He has them dried, shaped at the Spanish cooperage, and seasoned with an Oloroso sherry, which contributes richness to the final product. Um, that's that's a that's a step I can't imagine like a lot of the others doing. Like, oh no no no, we like our barrel is important. We have to make sure it's, and I have to imagine probably a good reason the price gets jacked up. So they're mm. using fresh barrels. They're using. I mean, it seems to be they're using fresh charred. I, I don't know if they're fresh charred. Well. The thing with the sherry is that a lot of times that's a finishing product. So you'll age it in some yeah. standard oak, so like a standard oak, whether it's European or American oak um, or French oak. You'll age them in a, um, a, a standard oak barrel. And then afterwards, you'll send it out to a sherry barrel for one, two, three months, just enough to pick up some sherry notes as a finishing barrel. Um, well, I guess it's those. A- First use oak is what they're using. Is what it Maybe like. what what is what is interesting about the way they kind of do this is they will many of these distilleries will actually re-soak the same wood with sherry again. So they'll put sherry in it, soak it for a little while, take that out, put distill it in there or, or barrel aged uh, scotch in there, take that out, put sherry back in, let it soak for a little while, and then they do this cycle where they re re soak the um, the the wood to pull out sherry over and over again. So it may be that he's kind of in charge of this whole fleet of barrels, but doesn't necessarily source brand new barrels every single time. Mm-hmm. Just as one needs replaced, he's the one that kind of makes sure. If you got two hundred thousand barrels, you're you're probably replacing quite a few at a time. Yeah. Yes. But well, <laughs> their volume. I imagine is not quite as high as well, it's probably still decently high because they're you know they distribute everywhere, but they they do price their stuff a little bit up too. So up yeah. to the most expensive bottles of whiskey in the world, right? Yeah. So. Um, that lost? Did they lose? Well, did they lose an age statement not long ago? Uh, probably. Probably on the you know the smaller. I think the 12 got just changed to, like, they just started going color, similar yeah. to Johnny Walker. Yeah. yeah, the first few are just a color now with no age so. statement. <clears throat> so, since we don't have any here to taste, there are some tasty notes from Liquor.com on the McKellen 12. Um, nose, it has a strong raisin, currant, plum, and baking spice notes with hints of honey and heather as it opens up. On the palate, up front, you'll have a fruitcake medley of warm bread, soaked raisins, cloves, and a hint of black pepper. Mid-palate, it's a medium to full body with a buttery softness and more baked bread. And toward the back of the throat, you get a warm, spiced, and fruit exit with a hint of wet tobacco leaf. The wet tobacco leaf is the only part of this where I was like, "You, you, I'm sold, I'm sold, and then tobacco, I'm like, I'm a little hesitant. <laughs> I'll, I mean, like, I, I enjoy the smell of fresh... Um, uh, pipe the, tobacco. The pipe tobacco. Yes, that's usually got like an aroma put in it, but um, yeah, like uh, pouch tobacco. Uh, mm, okay. Chew, chawbacker, chaw. Your your jaw there. Yeah, jawbacker. So that that is uh, what I would associate with wet tobacco, because um, mm. it's about as close to full leaf as you're going to get. Um, medium to medium long finish of baked pear uh, cigar. Black pepper and clove. Next, we're going to move on to um, the Glen Farclas. Um, so this one was recommended to us by uh, uh, by our friend, uh, our our whiskey, pardon, our whiskey expert, and uh, I could not find it. I wanted Let's to see if I can see a picture. Oh, yes. I have seen this. Do I? I may have this. <laughs> no. Casey's like, I think I have this on my shelf. I was like, I mean, aren't look. you just the Dickens? <laughs> it was one of those that I had. No, no, that's not this one. No, it's Buddha oh. uh, oh, okay. There were There were a couple that I was really like, uh, I, they looked similar to me, but I was looking for them and they were kind of hard to find. 
Mm. I think Liquor Barn at one point had this one, though. Uh, yeah, I uh, just thinking of the the the. Uh, I think I remember when you got that Brutaholic. Actually, they might have been there. <laughs> <laughs> so sorry. The history of the Glen Parkless started with the farmer Robert Hay, who built a distillery on the right, mm, right, cleric, rich, rich cleric. You got me on that one. Um, This farm in 1836. On June 8th of 1865, John Grant became tenant of the farm and bought the distillery for the price of 511 pounds and some shillings, looks like. 19 shillings. Yep. He was 60 years old and married to Barbara, with whom he had six children. He was a successful farmer and bred Aberdeen Angus cattle on several farms he owned. While he stayed at his Blinder, Blair Fendi farm, his distant cousin, John Smith, cared for the Reichland farms and the distillery, supported by John Soane Grant, George Grant. Cheese. Right? These names. I thought, I thought they spoke the same language as us. What? Why must they make this so hard? So John Smith left Glen Farkless in 1870 to build another distillery, which was Croganmore. I almost bought that today. Uh, that you know, I'm, I'm like looking through some of this and trying to like put some of this in here, and I saw that I was like, oh, that's that's too good to to not put in there. Like, yeah, oh yeah, no, he's working for them, doing the stuff. And he goes, screw you guys, I make my own scotch. <laughs> oh, we go back to the the wine episodes that we've done. <laughs> yeah, oh. <laughs> Nothing will ever top the soap opera that is the Mandalvi. The Mandalvi. When John Grant died in 1889, I feel like I think that was the year my my work was founded. Um, George became because I remember that that seems like a very I I see it on walls all the time. Um, George became like it's 1889. Uh, in 1889, George became the owner of the farm and distillery, but he also passed away just one year later, <laughs> leaving Glenn Farkless to his sons John and Go- George and his widow, Elsie. El- when whiskey boomed in the 1890s, the brothers decided to expand and went into a partnership with Pattison Elder and Company, which was an ill-fated a decision and nearly led to the financial ruin for the grants. During 15 hard years, the distillery was saved. Um, the company was turned into J and G Grant, but John retired early and George led the family business on his own. The fourth generation of Grant stepped into business with George Scott Grant, um, who was chairman of Glenn Farkless for 52 years until he died in 2002. Thanks to him, um, there were a lot of stocks uh, of casks that were laid down um, because basically – he didn't want to give that much whiskey away to blenders and wanted to hold on to it, make their own, um, make their own whiskey. So that's the reason why Glenn Farkless has uh, on hands a lot of old casks. Uh, when John's son, George S. Grant, joined Glenn Farkless in 2000, it was a sixth generation member of the family to rule that business. Um, he works as Glenn Farkless Brandon's ambassador, yet – and introduces the whiskeys to old and new markets. Some tasty notes on Glenn Farkless 12-year uh, from Master of Malt uh, would be light and creamy with a mix of supple, soft sheriff, sorry, sherry and manuka honey. I have no I idea on that sherry. <laughs> Manuka honey is like, it feels like a buzzword, but it, I mean, it's just like everywhere. Huh. Um, gentle and well-balanced, there are hints of smoke, rich oak, and a little pine resin. The palate is medium body with notes of date and walnut cake, oloroso sherry, and hints of earthy forest floor, a beautiful note of malt with toffee apple, and a touch of smoke. Spicy and long finish, notes of allspice, cinnamon, and cloves with orange zest and sherry. Manuka is just like sticking in my mind i just can't help but see it in the hulkamania text and i'm like what are you gonna do when manuka mania <laughs> runs wild on you <laughs> uh so uh just oh brother i had to find an, an article about 
So I guess Manuka honey, that type of honey, basically, it has a lower glycemic index than any other sweetener. So really, there is no, probably no actual like smelling difference between Uh, the Manuka and other honey. Well, it says there are more than 300 varieties of Manuka honey. So maybe there are. There might be. It says um, there's like orange blossom and eucalyptus and like uh, other flavor and and scent profiles. So it's actually pretty possible. I really wish I could have found this going through like those tasting notes. I'm like, man, that that does sound good. I'm sending you this this link. (laughs) I just want to try some Manuka honey. (laughs) You want the Manuka mania to run wild on you. That's all you want. You want to like it eat some of this honey and like rip your shirt open and kind of I do and side note um hot butcher for the world just released uh one of their their favorite beers of the year Rawakam Rawakamania and it is in the Hulkamania <laughs> text on the can and I'm just like I want it, I want it. <laughs> uh, what you really want is a t-shirt that tells you that suicide leg drops don't don't melt steel beams but <laughs> I do and I'll never, I'll never forget the fact that we watched uh, the writer of the Doctor Strange Doctor movie wear that shirt <laughs> on a we podcast. Have that, we have that over him forever. <laughs> Saying, you guys are going to bring this up at the most inopportune time, and sure enough. We will. <laughs> All right. So, guys... Um, I th- it's probably the same thing. We've made this joke the whole time, but what are we drinking? <laughs> As if we hadn't known. Drink with me, friend. I mean, are we are we all literally drinking the same one? I'm uh, drinking Glenlivet 12. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Casey. Casey? I'm having Glenlivet. 12. 15. 18. 18. Ah. Mm. Ah. Oh, oh. Let's, uh, let's, let's get the monocle out for Casey. <laughs> well, I have had a heck of a week, and I, I look, needed I to treat yourself. I, I'm not blaming you. No. I would want the Glenlivet 18. <laughs> I'm just like, if, we're just saying if we had it, you know, whatever. But Next time you show up, I appear. We'll, <laughs> I will uh, we'll say. this bottle off. I will say they had on sale Glenlivet, uh, uh, like, aged in weird flavored barrels underneath uh, the Glen Levitt 12 and I looked down at that like, oh it's cheaper oh I'm not getting that <laughs> oh I, it'll have a it'll have a nice like apple gingerbread no get this get this BS out of here I see why you're on sale I, I was I was looking through them and they had maybe five they had the 15 the 12 they had the Nadura barrel and another one and then the 18 and the 18 was actually underpriced for what the rest of the online mm. sales were going for. Yeah. They were like, you know, 20 bucks to 40 bucks cheaper at the store than they were on the online stores, which I typically see have cheaper prices. Um, but I looked at one of the ones that was next down the, the Nadura and the ratings were not good. Like they, they were like, we, cause it was, it was 55% alcohol rather than the 43, 40s that every other scotch is in. So it was like closing in on barrel proof, uh, which caught my eye. And it was cheaper, which caught my eye. Mm-hmm. But the ratings were like, we understand why this is still sitting on shelves. Wow. <laughs> like, that is not uh, mincing words there. Yeah. Hmm. Ouch. Uh, yeah. So, um, I know it's not the normal order, but Casey has the different one. Do we yeah. want to let him go first and then the rest of us? Yeah, yeah. Tell us what you're getting off the the, the fancy one. Um, Regalus. So it smells a lot like a really high-proof spirit. Like it burned my nose whenever I was first picking it up. And so I got like really high-proof spirit notes. Now, so keep in mind bottle it's only- bond scotch. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it, it kind of helped hit that. It hit probably in what I would normally consider like 110 proof that range on on the nose, at least the the burn level. Um, and it didn't really dissipate the longer I let it sit there. It was just kind of I filled the glass and then talked for like the first half of the show before I even 
had any. Um, once it finished that out and I had some, drank it a little bit, that burn went away. I guess my body just acclimated to it. And I started to get like, um, it's not really, it's, it's like cinnamon toast, but not the cinnamon portion, not a huge amount of cinnamon. Um, maybe like brown sugar is what I'm getting. Brown sugar on, mm-hmm. um, on bread. Does it, does it taste so good? It, oh, it's, it's good. It's a, a really like when you taste it, it gets this, um, more watery flavor like more watery the body's there but the the flavor isn't as strong as what the nose is so it's a very easy drinking scotch as far as scotch goes um as far as any liquor goes but the aroma is huge and a really big aroma and then when you get to the flavor it's very muted and and subdued um a little bit more you have to be looking for stuff it's not going to smack you in the face right Okay. Interesting. Sounds like, rated. Like, sounds like it, t- it tastes just like an uh, just like an old Scotch should. Uh, I'm just sorry. I'm just going to keep doing uh, Rolling Stones bits. So um, <laughs> uh, the rest of us, uh, how, how's how's the Glen Levitt Twelve treating everyone? Uh, I gotta say, basically exactly how they describe it. Mm. It's like the nose. The I don't get the citrus fruit, but I definitely get the honeysuckle and vanilla. Yeah, the vanilla is pretty. I, I'm not. I, I don't think I get the citrus at all either. I can I can get a little bit if I remember when I'm like trying to get like an aroma if I'm swirling it and I have to open my mouth up. I can get like little hints of like of like lemon almost. Mm. Yeah, I'm. I definitely got um, the van, vanilla and obviously shortbread. And, yeah, as I say, the shortbread, but also I'm like we were also. Eating a shortbread, so I don't know if that like got in the way, but uh, but yeah, it, so to me it was like pretty on point with the tasting notes, except for the citrus bit. Although I I don't know if I got a lot of honey either, or I guess honeysuckle is technically a different mm, yeah situation, but no, it's yeah, but it's good. I liked it. Like it's it's you know I, I've had it honey. before, but it's it's I'm I'm a fan. Honey and Honeysuckle are now a pet peeve of mine after the Great American Beer Festival. Okay. <laughs> um, I got my tasting notes back <gasps> from oh. a Honeysuckle L that we sent. Yeah. And on the tasting notes, it says, I don't smell or taste any honey. <laughs> and I'm like, it's because it doesn't have honey. It's got Honeysuckle. And then Casey right. a flower, <laughs> not honey. And oh my god, I was like, you are supposed to be hand selected for tasting and doing what you do. Uh, like there's someone's nephew, Casey. Probably. A lot of these folks are higher ups in big distribution companies and um and suppliers. You know, get, you know how you get a job being a higher up in some in a distribution company by you being someone's nephew. <laughs> yeah. Well, I definitely got the nephew or niece that uh doesn't know what a honeysuckle is. Wow. Uh, but yeah, no. Um, yeah, it, it, Glenlivet's Glenlivet Twelve is good. Like it's it's a good classic Scotch. There's a reason I believe uh, the current designation wasn't uh, in in stone, but I believe it was referred to us as the second best selling Scotch in the world. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, uh, yeah, that attracts to me like a- just behind Glenfiddich. So yeah, so that that's the other thing. So space side, the best selling scotches in the world. Mm. Well, yeah, because yeah, and I, I, granted, we haven't covered the other regions yeah. yet, but like I, it immediately already makes me think of Isla, and I'm like, yeah, that's kind of a niche market there. <laughs> it is. Again, that's uh, the that's the whiskey equivalent of you've got to have your testicles stepped on by someone in high <laughs> heels and have lit cigarettes put out on you. Like your your palate has just gotten to that point to where it takes something extreme to get a rise out of you. Lagavulin uh, has uh, the Johnny Cash cover of Hurt playing whenever you open it up. <laughs> you just uh, hurt myself. 
You open up the logger bowl and it just spits on you. And you're like, (laughs) thank you. Thank you, sir. May I have another? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't really have anything to add as far as uh, what, uh, as far as the Glenlivet Twelve. Uh, I feel like you guys kind of nailed it, and we talked about it kind of throughout the episode. So yeah, it's where uh, our palates are. They're just in a weird sexual place. <laughs> I mean, uh, sure. Uh, today's episode was written by me. Uh, <laughs> Some advising and help uh, from but, Jim. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I used, uh, in addition to Jim, we used uh, some sources such as uh, Michael Jackson's Complete Guide to Single Malt, Single Malt Scotch, Connoisseur's Guide to Single Malt Whiskies of Scotland, which, it's a fun read. Uh, it's, it's, it's an easy read, too. Uh, uh, also using sources from uh, scotchwhiskey.org, uh, Whiskey Advocate, uh, uh, Macmillan.com. Uh, a vine pair, oddly enough. Uh, uh, whiskey.com, Master of Malt, Liquor.com, and uh, Wikipedia. Wikipedia. Mostly because I wanted to have some information about what exactly is space side or what is a spay. Well, Wikipedia is always a good, like, fill in the blanks because you get in yeah. there and you're you're looking at a very specific subject and you kind of have blinders to other things. And then Wikipedia kind of brings in the, the worldview, if you will. It's a good um, jumping off point. It really does. It, those little things where you're like, Oh, like it, it gives you where you're going. And then there's this, if you were like just reading the Michael Jackson stuff, it wouldn't give you like, he's not going to give you a lot of the history points that you right. could get leads on from the Wikipedia. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. All right. Well, if that is all for today, you could subscribe and get some great resources at haveadrinkshow.com and follow us at haveadrinkshow on social media and twitch.tv. You can tell us your favorite drink, ask a question, or just leave some general feedback. You use the email address feedback at haveadrinkshow.com or use the feedback page on the website. Um, I got a carrier pigeon in the other day. It just said uh, drink more, and uh, that's <laughs> that's that's helpful. Thank I you. I was like, check. <laughs> And as always, all joking and fun aside, I'd like to remind everyone to please drink responsibly. Yes. Well, uh, you can check us out in another couple of weeks for the next live episode. Uh, actually, a couple of weeks this time, not just... Uh, <laughs> I think I said it last time, and I'm like, oh, crap. Uh, but once again, I'm Brittany Lee Walker. I'm Justin Frazier. Uh, I'm Christopher Walker. And I'm Casey Price. We'll see you next time. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye. Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this program. <laughs> Whiskey makes.